0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, All 7 Rounds in Heaven is back. We're brought to you by Sports Drink. Senior Bowl players are beginning to arrive in Mobile, and you know what that means. It is I, Rob Paul. Once again, shouting from the rooftops, no intro is needed for a Senior Bowl special. But I will tell you, today I'll be breaking down all the prospects on the American team. Let's do. Going out to Vegas gonna set my draft, gonna set my draft on fire. Seven, 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 seven rounds in heaven with my lady. Driving out to Vegas, baby, looking for a stingly. Or Thibodeau, who's going to bat it all on draft day? Who's going to wager future picks away? Who's going to reach for a blue blood lineman? The home team, let's go seven rounds. Let's go seven rounds together. Let's go seven rounds forever. And that's a song. Today's episode of 7 Rounds in Heaven is brought to you by sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to ha- hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink.com. Spelled like sports drink without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying to not let the funk out. Okay, before I dive right into the 2022 Senior Bowl American team roster and break down everyone, I am once again flying solo because I'm a master of Senior Bowl talk and uh, AJ is just not up to snuff for for this type of good content. Uh, but first, let's talk a little bit about the NFL PA Bowl, which is a perfect segue into talking about how, right after I finished recording the national team roster show, Jim Nagy went and announced another player to that team, and it's Ole Miss receiver Breland Sanders, who uh, got called up from the NFL PA Bowl. And, and so just quickly on Sanders, uh, pretty cool to see a guy um, get that call up. It's always really fun when a good week of practice at a lesser bowl game leads to an opportunity. And Sanders, um, a fifth-year senior, was for the last two years Lane Kiffin's big play threat uh, on the outside, opposite both Elijah Moore and Dontario Drummond. Um, In 2020, uh, he averaged 25 yards per catch, last season 22.9. A true deep threat really excited to see what he can do against some some of the best corners in the country um, and, and see if that speed's going to translate uh, to the next level on top of I want to see how he's developed as a route runner and seeing him as a non one-trick pony kind of nine-route guy getting to see him run the, the route tree against NFL level cornerback prospects I think that'll be a good time Um and obviously the NFL PA Bowl was was uh, this past Saturday, and the NFL PA Bowl's really elevated it itself in terms of what it was three, four, five years ago. Um, it's kind of usurping the East West Shrine Game, I'll say it, uh, as the the number two um, All Star prospect bowl game after the Senior Bowl. And, I mean, just look at the roster. It's, it's the most talented NFL PA Bowl roster I think I've ever seen. And, and just to talk a bit of the game, uh, Southeastern Louisiana quarterback Cole Kelly ended up with MVP honors, uh, threw for 150 in touchdown, 6'7", 260, former Arkansas quarterback. Now, I know some people see him as a quarterback at the next level. Uh, I have a hard time seeing him getting drafted, but a 6'7", 260-pound Athletic quarterback. I smell a tight end convert in the the wings, waiting in the wings, uh, a la Logan Thomas. Not quite to that level, but interesting guy. Um, He wasn't the only quarterback who played well in the game either. Uh, Both Alabama AM's and ms Akeel Glass, who's a big, arm, strong pocket passer, and Cal's Chase Garbers, who looked really good in the RPO game. They both played fairly well, and and I suspect both will be uh, in training camps. Uh, A couple more names to watch. Toledo running back Bryant Kobach, although he did have a fumble, he was just, in terms of the running backs there, on another level. Um, he ran for over 4,000 yards in the MAC. Uh, spent spent the last two years really developing as a pass catcher too. 54 grabs over the past two seasons. He, he ripped off a big chunk run at one point. He's got the uh, the athleticism, I think, to, to be kind of a change-of-pace runner who can also make some plays as a pass catcher and a very willing pass blocker. So it was good to see him have have a bit of a splash, though the fumble was tough. Um, The receivers, I think, were probably the most exciting part. Uh, With um, Dejon Dixon from Nichols State going for over 100, looking like a big, strong, natural X receiver, 6'4", Ball skills looked really impressive. Um, he's a guy who I think played well enough and will be at the combine that he, he could be, really get a, a sniff late on day three. And alongside him, uh, Jaquez Ezard, who in the spring season of the FCS was kind of the hottest name in the country. Sam Houston State won it all. And though he wasn't necessarily as productive this past year, Uh, he's a guy who's got scary open field athleticism to go with, uh, big time return ability. And they used him on reverses in this game. He looked awesome in the return game. That's a guy who I think if he tests really well, could very much go higher than, than expected. I really wish he was actually at the senior bowl. It's too bad he's not, but a very fun player. He looked quite good. And of course I gotta, I gotta pound the table for, um, a match player Khalil Pimpleton, uh, also played in this game, the Central Michigan receiver, another great return man, and his, his athleticism stood out, his, his straight-line speed stood out. Um, all three of those guys, I, th- I think, have a good shot to get drafted. Uh, on On the defensive side of the ball, um, Ole Miss' Sam Williams played in the game. He He's a potential, uh, fourth-round type of guy, early day-three type of guy. He had the forced fumble on Koback. um, Conley Fatukasi, whose brother's the nose tackle for the Jets, uh, he apparently had a really great week of practice. Plays with big time intensity. They blitz the hell out of him at, at Rutgers, and of course his his uh, his coach this week was Vontez uh, Burfict, kind of the perfect person to coach up a player like Fatukasi. So that's good to hear. And um, Marquez Bell, the uh, Florida AM and M safety. It sounded like he was kind of the dude all week. Beyond just on the field, but off the field too. And he'll be at the combine. Good, strong practice week is good to hear. Wish he was at the Senior Bowl too, because it's not the greatest safety group on the American team. I'll get to that in a bit. Um, but 6'3", 200 pounds, very physical player. Uh, hope to see him test well and, and, and kind of be maybe that, that day, three sleeper at safety in a weaker safety class. Um, finally, it's worth mentioning that uh, Marvin Lewis was the coach uh, of the winning team, defeating Jeff Fisher. The game came down to a game-winning field goal from Illinois kicker James McCourt. Marvin Lewis iced him. McCourt missed. Marvin Lewis won, and he did it the day before the Bengals play in the AFC Championship game. Tell me, tell me that's not just. Poetic justice. Bring back Marvin Lewis. Bring back Marvin Lewis. Okay, getting into the 2022 uh, American team at the Senior Bowl. Um, we'll start with a couple quick superlatives, talking about who I'm most excited to see, what if non-FBS guy to watch, you know, the, the regular stuff if you listen to the National Team episode. It's a lot of me rambling about nonsense, so feel free to opt out of this. Uh, I cannot wait till AJ comes back because I have a newfound appreciation for people like Colin Coward. Talking for this long on your own really is not fun. Especially when there's probably no one listening. Uh, Okay, talking about who I'm most excited to see this week. Offensively, uh, for the American team, coached by the Lions, by the way, shout out to Dan Campbell. Apparently, Deuce Staley will take on head coaching role, which is really fun. Um, But the offensive player I'm most excited to see is a guy who I loved over the summer. And I don't think he had quite the buzz he deserved entering uh, kind of the draft process here. But it should come this week, and that's Lasaitis Smith from Virginia Tech. six three three twenty. He played next to Christian Darasaw, the Vikings' first-round pick last year. And he is one of the best run blockers in the entire class. Um, plays with terrific leverage. Impressive pop in his hands. Big-time leg drive. You do not want to see this man in the hole when he's he's ripping around the corner on a pole. Um He's not the best athlete in the world, and I think that shows up at times in pass protection. His feet are a little inconsistent, uh, and he needs to get stronger with his anchor, um, which he has the power to do so. He just needs to do a better job of kind of sitting down. Uh, But seeing him this week in one-on-ones pass protection, it's going to be huge for his stock. I think this is a day-two player, but... He could really make or break himself um, against a really stacked up defensive line on the American team. Uh, Particularly if he sees some of the edge guys, that's going to be really interesting because this edge group on on the American team is uh, got multiple day or top one hundred guys at at the very minimum. Um, Defensively speaking of. Those edge guys, the two defensive players, I, I cheated and I put two. Uh, the two defensive players I'm most excited to see are San Diego State's Cameron Thomas and Florida State's Jermaine Johnson. Because these are two guys who you're, you've seen over the last couple weeks, probably kind of creeping either into the back end of the first round of mock drafts or early second round. The edge class is kind of the best part of this, this draft in general. And these are two really well-built, strong pass rushers who have phenomenal seasons, both All-American-type seasons. With Cameron Thomas, you've got a 6'5", 270-pound, versatile defensive lineman who was asked to play up and down that, that Aztecs D-line by Brady Hoke, So he's got that inside ability. He He's... His bull rush is mean. He's mean as hell, and he's a great edge setter against the run. But we need to see him use those hands better, see what type of bend he has because he kind of seems stiff at times trying to run the arc. So seeing that for him, and it's almost a similar story with Jermaine Johnson who really also relies on power at 6'5", 260. I think he's a little more twitched up than Thomas. Um, Like Thomas, is a little stiff. Big time motor though, his hands very, very. They started to flash as the season went on at Florida State. Um, It was a lot of relying on power early on, and and in prior, in the prior year, he was part of that Georgia D line uh, rotation before he transferred to to Seminole Country. So seeing both these two, who have the size, the power, and the athleticism you look for in in a first round edge rusher and two guys who can defend the run fairly damn well, seeing what they do with their hands to make up for a little bit of that lack of bend. Because if you don't have the bend to make tackles feel threatened on the outside, you really need those hands. And this is a pretty solid tackle group. It's not quite as... Impressive as the national team, but there's a couple top 100 type dudes in here, and seeing them work against those guys could really shift them into being first round locks by the end of the week. Moving to the non FBS guys, where with the national team we had a clear cut best non FBS guy in in um, in Penning, Trevor Penning. I'll stick at tackle here, but it's not to this nearly the same extent. And it's Southern Utah's Braxton Jones, who is 6'7", 3'10", and has shockingly clean feet and a really impressive lateral agility, which makes him, just at that level, unstoppable in pass protection, mirroring defenders. Uh, even You throw in the San, San Jose State game from 2020, and San Jose State's got, got some legit pass rush. Uh, he he held up just fine. He, looked, he looks like a Sunday player. He's a day three sleeper. And if he looks good against some of the more powerful guys, against a Jermaine Johnson, against a Cam Thomas, who both have the ability to probably knock him off his block because he, he gets too high and he struggles to anchor down. And, and too often he doesn't use his hands and he, he more relies on his body. This it, it, this could make or break him being like a high-end day three pick who teams see as a developmental starter versus being potentially a, a late day three and even undrafted if it's a bad enough week, maybe. Um, so I'm pretty excited to see him. The only other non-FPS guy on this team is Zion McCollum, who's a 6'4 corner from Sam Houston State, uh, who... who plays like exclusively press man and he'll he'll be a fun one to watch against a, a smaller, faster wide receiver group than the national team. Look at who is the most approved both on on offense and on defense. Like the national team, it's gotta be the quarterbacks. It's a quarterback group overall that has five guys who could potentially be viewed as first round picks depending on who you talk to. Um, all three guys on the national team have big love. And, and, and Malik Willis and Sam Howell over here on, on the American team are the, are the guys who... Now, I'm not in on Sam Howell, but I, I very much believe Malik Willis has the ability to be the first quarterback off the board purely based on his traits. And so uh, Malik Willis is going to stand out, I think, over everyone else on either team, quarterback-wise. Because he's 6'1", 220, an elite athlete with the biggest arm in the class. Now, how's he going to look in shorts? He's going to look damn athletic and damn big. But how are his feet going to look? We can we can really break down how clean his mechanics are and how how crisp that footwork is. Because the mechanics and the feet, along with the the... The offense he's coming out of being worries because of Hugh Freeze's quarterback-friendly offense that it's a very pre-snap, you-already-know-where-you're-going type of offense, so decision-making is going to be big. How does he look on those short-to-intermediate throws? When he's got a one-on-one deep, he's often on target. He's got some strong deep accuracy. Um, But this is a big, big, big week for Willis. Uh, Especially, I mean... Uh, not that the Lions are going to take him in the first round, but in front of that Lions staff, maybe Dan Campbell falls in love with him and wants him on day two. Uh, because, again, this quarterback class is so unclear. All five of the quarterbacks who are kind of competing for first round for a first-round tag could also end up on day two. Uh, and with Howell, Sam Howell kind of feels like he was, one, a product of a really good North Carolina team last year. That lost a lot of talent to the NFL. And Phil Longo's spread air raid offense. It's it's basically air raid concepts with more inside run and a lot of RPO tags. And he looks a lot like Baker Mayfield in terms of both his size, his his athleticism, his ability to extend. Um, And, I mean, that could be good or that could be bad. I'm not... Big on Sam Howell. Right now, I think Sam Howell's a day three quarterback. I don't I don't believe there's enough there in terms of accuracy nor decision-making. How's he going to look when you take away the air raid and RPO style plays that are easier layup throws? Overall, he, he forced a lot more balls into conflict this past year for the Tar Heels. Obviously, the team lost a lot of talent too, so trying to kind of separate those two things. Um, and he he was asked to do a lot more as a runner this year. Well, when you just look at, his, look at him as a pure passer, uh, I just don't see a first-round quarterback, but I don't see a first-round quarterback in this class. So, uh, again, a big week from him could maybe make a team buy-in on him. The defensive player, I think, who is the most approved, probably, it, it's tough, but I think Girion Kendrick's right there. Uh, the Georgia corner, the Clemson transfer, who two years ago was being talked about as, oh, this could be Clemson's next top corner. Um, he obviously he he ended up no longer enrolled at Clemson, uh, which he's gonna have to answer those questions in Mobile. He immediately became a starter on one of the best defenses we ever we've ever seen in the national championship-winning Georgia Bulldogs. He was Orange Bowl MVP because of the two interceptions, despite not really playing that great of a game. He he was a big boomer bust type of corner. There was playmaking ability, going finding the ball, in phase. But there was also getting burned kind of a lot at times. Um. So seeing one, he's got he's he's gonna have to prove that. That being removed from the Clemson roster, he's going to have to answer those questions, so he has to prove himself there. And then he has to prove himself in one-on-ones uh, against, let's say, a Jalen Tolbert, who's a big-time burner. How, does he have the long speed to hold up? He he played a lot of off-press and off-man in college. Uh, and I think he's got both both the, the fluidity and footwork um, to to make plays there. But... Is he physical enough? Is he, and does he, will he, when the ball isn't thrown within 15 yards, can he go up and make a play? Can can he handle the NFL's speed at receiver? So he, he, to me, has the most approval on defense probably right now. And the player I think comes away putting themselves in the first round conversation, and and similarly to the the national team, I didn't want to pick an obvious obvious one. I picked Logan Hall for the national team. For the American team, I'm picking Max Mitchell, Louisiana Region Cajuns right tackle, who he was so good this year. Throw on the Texas game. I watched the tape twice because I I just was blown away. He is one of the best space moving tackles in this class his ability as a zone blocking zone uh, blocking tackle is ridiculous he's consistently making reach blocks he's consistently getting on linebackers and sealing off sealing them off to turn three yard runs into six yard runs it might not sound like much but there's a huge difference at the nfl level and in pass protection he improved a ton this year where his feet just look, his, his feet showing off the ability to mirror, and his anchor getting stronger made a massive difference. I think it turned him from a entering the year more of a fourth-round, early day three guy, to a legitimate, could be a first-round pick if he has a, the, the weak, I suspect he will, in Mobile. Um, what I do need to see is, despite the improved anchor, the NFL, at the NFL level, you have to play with better bend than he plays with at times in pass protection. Because guys like Cam Thomas and Jermaine Johnson will blow him off if he plays as high as he as he did even against Texas. And he has to use his hands better. He, his hands were often kind of a second thought because he could rely so much on his athleticism and his footwork to handle pass rush. Um, and we're going to get a million opportunities to see him go one-on-one and use those hands. So the right type of week you know, it, it, the, this this could be the dude who, because tr- Trevor Penning is really already there, Max Mitchell could be the, the, the tackle kind of comes out of nowhere. Him and Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan. I think are the two guys I'm most excited to see where we end up with them after this week. Jumping to one-on-ones. The one-on-ones I'm most excited for uh, with the American team. A lot of them are pretty obvious. Uh, and I've talked about some of these guys already. But starting with the interior o-line versus d-line. Wallace Smith, who, as I said, is a master run blocker, seeing him in those pass-pro drills against DeVonte Wyatt, who is another guy who could really put himself in the first round by the end of this week, seeing those two go head to head, it's going to be it's going to be nasty. Wyatt was often overshadowed by his teammates at Georgia. Obviously, Jordan Davis kind of got the the bulk of the attention. Jalen Carter was the future, and um, Trevon Walker is kind of the NFL draft Nick crush of most. So Wyatt getting to showcase his ability specifically as a pass rusher where he's, better, he's a better pass rusher and a more versatile pass rusher than Jordan Davis, who's kind of going to specifically be a run monster in the NFL. Wyatt being able to get up and under, um, guards, centers, with his power, his leverage, and his sneaky strong hands, so seeing him and Smith do battle, I think that's going to be, a lot of scouts are gonna are gonna take note of who who's winning when those two go head to head, because it's two guys who, I think, some people will have as top fifty guys, and other people might see as more more. Near the 100 the mark. So those two, obvious. Offensive tackle versus edge. I already talked about all these guys. Max Mitchell against the combination of Cam Thomas and Jermaine Johnson. I think that's the best the best overall one-on-one you're getting with the American team. Max Mitchell, ridiculous athlete. Lacks strength. Cam Thomas, Jermaine Johnson, both extremely powerful guys. But if the, if Mitchell's able to handle their power... What can they do with their hands? Seeing them against a longer dude like Mitchell, too, who if he's improved, it's like a hand, everyone here needs to work on their hands. And, and getting to see that's going to be tons of fun. Um, I I have a feeling that Thomas and Johnson are going to make some tackles look pretty pretty funny this week when they put them on skates. And I, I don't see Max Mitchell being one of them. I see Max Mitchell coming out, and like I said, Maybe coming away as a first round combo guy. Now I could look like an idiot in seven days, but we'll see. Running back versus linebacker. There's a pretty obvious running back to go with here. Georgia's James Cook I think is far and away the best, uh, the best of the bunch on this squad. Um, uh, a guy who was never a pr- the the number one back at Georgia, but has spent the last three years as being kind of this move player. This satellite back, a, a really great pass catcher, natural playmaker in space, was never overutilized, though. Todd Munkin did a great job kind of keeping him fresh and using him where he needed to use him. So James Cook's value really comes on passing downs, as well as his, his ability to be an electric space playmaker can be used on jet sweeps. So he can make a lot of these linebackers look... Looks silly in space. And I want to see what he does against his two teammates. Quay Walker and Channing Tyndall, The Georgia linebackers who were at times overshadowed by Nicobe Dean. But are both guys who were former big recruits. Walker is, I think, maybe one of the most underrated players in the entire class. 6'4", 240-pound thumper. Who rarely misses a tackle. Plays his ass off, but wasn't asked to do that much in coverage. What are we going to see when he has to cover a James Cook one-on-one? And Channing Tyndall, who is even more underrated, looks like a throwback Mike Linebacker. With his instincts and his aggressiveness, he, he plays this no nonsense bad bat-out-of-hell energy. He's got the traits to be a starting linebacker in the NFL, but again... Can we see what he does in coverage? Georgia didn't need these guys to cover too too frequently, one-on-one. And James Cook's the type of back who could make them both look bad enough in space that it makes you have second thoughts about taking out of them too early. Alternatively, if they can hold up, Quay Walker, I'm pretty sure Daniel Jeremiah had him in the first round of his most recent mock draft, which is insane to think. But uh, I mean, the the traits and the size are all there, and Tyndall, Tyndall just screams future Patriots linebacker with his his toughness, his physicality. Um, moving to wide receiver corner, the corner is obvious. It's Roger McCreary. He is the first round. Kind of, probable lock. On this team. Um. One of the best corners in college football this past year at Auburn, a natural press man corner who isn't massive, but he's got the length you want, six feet. He has some a, a crisp pedal. There's rarely a false step. Watch him click and close. He's usually all over a receiver, especially within 15, 12 yards. He can get a little handy at times, but you love to see that type of physicality. But alternatively, sometimes he focuses too much on the when the ball is in the air on the receiver, them finding ball in phase. So seeing him locate and attack the ball rather than the man will be be big for him. Kind of locking himself into being a top twenty pick, and can he hang with? I do like Jalen Tolbert, who I want to see these two go all day. Tolbert, the South Alabama receiver, was the previous two years a bit of a one-trick pony at South Alabama as just this dominant deep threat, but he really elevated his game this past year at 1,400 yards, um, still averaging 18 a catch, but at 6'3", with sub-4 speed potentially, and now showcasing improved route running, an underrated combat catchability. Although he'll drop a quick slant, his hands his hands can be suspect on the easy ones, but a lot of the time he makes the tough ones look easy. So seeing him against a big not necessarily big but a longer, physical more physical corner from the SEC. Could be what Jalen Tolbert, a big week against McCree, could be what Jalen Tolbert needs to come away as a top 50 lock. And finally, tight ends versus safeties. Not that we're necessarily going to get that matchup, but like the national team tight end group, the American team is a lot of guys who are kind of clumped together. And the tight end I'm most excited to see is Coastal Carolina's Isaiah Likely, who was one of the most exciting tight ends in college football the last two years uh, as part of that spread option attack. Um, they did a great job scheming him wide open at times. Uh, it's hard to find a tight end who, who averaged 20 yards of catch in 2020 or fi- in 15 this past year, seeing his athleticism against it's, again, not a great safety group, but Tyson Anderson from Toledo is the one I think you got to get excited about. And beyond me being a in homer, because of what Tyson Anderson's been asked to do at Toledo and what he's shown the ability to do at Toledo, which is play single high, have the range he has at 6'2". You love to see that type of size in a single high type safety. And a guy who isn't the most physical, but he's a willing tackler. I want to see him... Man up on an athletic tight end who isn't that much taller than him, in term, likely about 6'4, Tyson Anderson 6'2. Seeing those guys go head to head, I think the winner there could really push themselves quietly up the board. And uh, I personally cannot wait. You know what else I can't wait for? Is to tell you about Sports Drink. And that's because today's episode is brought to you by Sports Drink. Your digital water cooler. SportsDrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats. So go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at SportsDrink. Spelled like SportsDrink without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you Because we're trying not to let the funk out. All right, finally, it's time to go position by position. Kind of looking at different categories and who fits into the said categories. So starting with the quarterback position, like I said, we've got Liberty's Malik Willis, North Carolina's Sam Howell, and Western Kentucky's Bailey Zappi. Now, I have Malik Willis as the top-rated quarterback here. Mainly because he's got traits that the other guys just don't have, even factoring in Desmond Ritter, who I I, I believe would be right right behind him. But Willis has a dom- dominant running ability that early on in his NFL career you'll be able to lean on, uh, as as he develops like uh, into a, a more consistent passer, and just seeing how his touch, and how his timing improved has improved um, since the end of the season to senior bowl week that that could be the difference between him being a first round pick or being a day two guy and I, I do think he'll come away as the biggest riser of the week and I think after seeing all six of these quarterbacks a lot of people will view Malik Willis as well if I'm gonna bet on one I'm gonna bet on him and, and that's where I am right now and I believe more people will be that way My personal favorite, and I think this clear sleeper here, just strictly based on he's the only one who isn't being talked about as a day one or even day two pick, is uh, Western Kentucky's Bailey Zappi, who obviously transferred from Houston Baptist to Western Kentucky following offensive coordinator Zach Kitley and had one of the greatest years in college football history regardless of position. The most passing yards and most passing touchdowns in college football history, 62 touchdowns, 5,967 yards. Zappi is more than a system quarterback. He's not just a sit back, hit the the open guy because it's been schemed that way. But Zappi has, I think, maybe the best decision-making ability in this class, which makes up for a not-so-sexy arm. Not to, I think there's enough arm there, but just the ball being on time makes up for him not necessarily having that rocket arm other guys here do. He's also got a very clean throwing motion, but we need to see those feet improve. He, he wasn't asked to drop back very much uh, in his college career. So seeing that things can stay on time, his feet can stay connected to his eyes, that'll be key. But he also has this ability to kind of scramble and make things happen, uh, a la Gardner Minshew. And I think we really do come away seeing him as a as a probable fourth round lock. Uh, ultimately, I think Sam Howell is the most most approve uh, because, again, coming from all three of these guys are coming from schemes that are going to draw questions from NFL teams. Um, Howell has been propped up at times as a potential first overall pick. I just think he's so far from that, mainly because I just don't see him as a great decision maker. I don't see him having this, any one trait to to, to truly lean on. He can rip it pretty well uh, velocity-wise in the short to intermediate, but outside of that, I I don't know. I see a, a Baker Mayfield type, a guy who's Thinks he's got more arm than he has, and thinks he's more accurate than he is. So I, now he could prove me totally wrong, but I think he's got the most to prove this week, and I think a lot of people could potentially come away viewing him more as a maybe a closer to a Billy Zappy than to a first round pick. The running back group's really, really not awesome. James Cook to me is far and away the most talented mainly because what he can do is a pass catcher i don't think there's any back in this group that necessarily has rb1 ability james cook's going to be used as his be- at his best as a tony pollard as a naeem hines as this complimentary fun space playmaker and i think he'll be the biggest riser this week and he's my favorite because i love those types of satellite backs if james cook ends up with a, a clever offensive coordinator who knows how to scheme him touches, he's going to be a very effective NFL player and potentially worthy of a third-round pick. But after that, it, it very much drops off. And I, I think the guy with the most approves my number two back on this team, and that's Devontae Price from FIU. Florida International has been one of the worst schools just in terms of resources forever. And... Price has been playing behind a horrible offensive line. And despite that, he's played well enough to look like a draftable NFL back. 6'2", 215, has a one-cut-and-hit-it type style. I think a very good vision. Probably the best best vision in this group to go with a strong, strong contact balance. That kind of helps make up for um, a, lack of, a lack of wiggle, a lack of shake. But he has enough juice to... Rip off a chunk run here or there. But how will he turn himself into a guy people view as a worthy, I don't know, early day three pick? It's going to be passing downs. He was not asked to do a ton as a pass catcher in college. And he struggled at times um, seeing the ball into his hands. Uh, There's some drops on tape. He needs to show he can catch the ball and look natural doing it. And he needs to show... He's, he's got enough um, willingness and pass protection. And the, the, the sleeper here, I think, is Connor Hayward, who spent the early part of his career at Michigan State as a, as a running back, a big running back, Cam Hayward's brother, Ironhead Hayward's son, big, powerful running back, shifted to tight end, and Michigan State really found a fun player here. He's the perfect fullback prospect because he's got experience as a running back and now he's got experience as as this H-back tight end. He's got the ball skills to be a big-time playmaker in the passing game as far as fullbacks go, Like similar to, maybe not to the level of juice check, but that's teams who are looking for a juice check type player. This is who they should look at. And he can pick up short yardage as a runner too. Very powerful runner. Always runs heavy behind his pads. And, and uh, obviously, to go with all that, the most important thing is that he does block. He blocks well in, in the run game. And prior to shifting to tight end, he had shown the ability to hold up and pass protection. Connor Hayward could be viewed as your third-string running back or your third-string tight end, who also is also is your starting fullback, which saves you a roster spot, which is another big thing. Um just watch the Peach Bowl. Look at, you can see him make one of the best catches you'll ever see a fullback make. Um, I'm big on Connor Hayward. I'm excited to see how an NFL team will utilize him. Uh, the other running backs are uh, Alabama's Brian Robinson, Florida's Damian Pearson, South Carolina's Zaquandre White. So three SEC guys. Now, Brian Robinson seems to have a ton of fans. Uh, it sounds like, especially in NFL scouting circles, basically spent four years as a rotational backup at Alabama, started finally this year, 6'1", 228. Um, Good contact balance, but his lack of vision and his inability to kind of be a playmaker on passing downs prior to this year had always made me mm, not so sure about him. He showed a, a lot of improvements as a pass catcher this year, And with a massively increased workload, I I think he's kind of like a TJ Yeldon, a, a third down back who can do a little bit in pass protection, can catch the ball well when you need it, but isn't the most dynamic player as a runner, has enough contact balance, but runs a little high. I think he's a late day three guy, but it sounds like some view him as maybe a starting running back at the next level. So I can't wait to see how things turn out with him this week. Um, Damian Pierce is a guy who, similarly, uh, to Devonte Price, was kind of crushed by bad offensive line play, but a physical one cut guy who quietly catches the ball pretty well, and if he can show he has the athleticism to beat linebackers on uh while running routes, I think that will help him a lot. So Quandre White's a former uh a former linebacker who played linebacker at Florida State came over to South Carolina. He I think he's underrated athleticism, but the, like the short area of quickness, he's got more wiggle than you'd expect from a former linebacker, but the vision and the ball skills are going to kill him. Um, I'm not a big fan of his, but it'll be interesting to see what goes down with him. Looking at the receiver room, Unlike the national team, I think it's it's a lot of a lot. It's it's a lot of guys who there are people who are big fans of them, but not there's not a ton of consensus on this this group. I think Jalen Tolbert's probably pretty clearly viewed as the best of the bunch, and I talked about him a little earlier. Great downfield stretching speed to go with impressive. Contested catch ability, but needs to show he's cleaned up. The concentration drops. Needs to also show, I think, a deeper release repertoire. He's got the athleticism to be a clean runner. You see that he gets in and out of his breaks quickly, but how strong is he going to be in when facing NFL corners who are patient, who are physical, and press? how how strong will he be through press what's the release look like does he can, can he win off the line of scrimmage so that will be big for him this week um i think the biggest riser of the week though is my favorite in the group and that's Memphis's Austin, Calvin Austin who is tiny he's 59 like 160 so this the weight's going to probably turn some people off but speaking of releases i think he's he's got one of the best release repertoires In the class, just a massive toolbox of them because his feet are so quick. He's so laterally explosive, and that translates in his route running as well. Um, But he needs to prove he can play against bigger corners. It's a a physical corner group, it's a very good corner group on this team. And can can he um, handle that size and that physicality? And if he can, I think he's going to be a day three darling. Um, The most approved, though, I got to go with Reggie Roberson, who the former West Virginia receiver turned SMU stud looked last year like he could be a day two guy. Hurt his knee, missed the rest of the season. and didn't look quite the same this year. Danny Gray, who's his teammate at SMU and also on this uh, American roster, became kind of the go-to guy. Reggie Robertson at times looked like a Mike Wallace type of playmaker with that deep speed and his ability to track the ball. So seeing that speed kind of show up this week will will be important to him potentially getting himself not not just into the fourth round, for example, but just drafted because the medicals are are a big concern with a guy who's been hurt so much. Um, We also need to see him catch the ball better. There's a lot of drops on tape there. Uh, The sleeper of this group, I think, is Willis Jones, Um, the Tennessee receiver, who's another transfer. He was originally at USC. One of the best return men in the country was a a dynamo out of the slot for them this year. Um, Does a lot after the catch, can separate deep, but never really asked to run much in terms of routes, doesn't have natural hands. But if he can uh, work some of these talented corners and use that athleticism and that kind of the yak ability won't show up obviously very often in this type of setting but knowing that's there and he if he can complement that with route, improved route running that'll be important the other receivers are smu's danny gray who I, I touched on a little bit no i don't i don't love danny gray i think he's kind of a a taller slot type of a, a well-rounded route runner who just doesn't have great hands or the athleticism I'm necessarily looking for. Um, Trey Turner gives me some Des Fitzpatrick vibes from last year, who ended up going early fourth round, which was a bit of a shocker. But Trey Turner, despite not being a necessarily trustworthy pass catcher because of drops, because of struggles through through physicality and 50-50 ball situations, um, I think he, he gets slept on because of those things, but he's a really good runner. He is really fluid. And at 6'2", seeing a 6'2", kind of fluid mover like him gets me excited. And he He's a, a guy I haven't undrafted right now, but I could seriously see him shooting up uh, if he can show he's got the hands to hold up. And then Dontario Drummond, who's like a power forward who lived off screens, who lived off... Um, just bullying guys at Ole Miss. He is an older guy who I think makes an NFL roster no matter what because his size and physicality are going to translate to special teams and he does a ton after the catch. But can he run routes? He was rarely asked to do so at Ole Miss. Um if he can't, I don't know how high he, or if you can even get drafted when you're that old at 20 at 25 are you really going to pound the table for A 25-year-old who's kind of a one-trick yak pony to be your wide receiver six wide receiver five probably not but if he can show a little bit more this week that could be the difference look at the tight ends like the national team the american team it's it's a lot of guys who are kind of viewed similarly in my eyes a lot of Potential early day three guys in a not great tight end group that's deep who with the right kind of week, maybe they end up in the third round. I think the most talented is Greg Dulcich from UCLA. Dulcich is a guy that played as a jumbo slot a lot for Chip Kelly, played a lot of H-back, showed he has the speed to separate from linebackers and the size to bully safeties, was rarely asked to block though. Uh, I wonder how he'll look trying to block some of the most physical linebackers and edges in the country. Um, and if he looks good, that I mean, maybe someone falls for him. Um, he, he's a pretty smooth route runner, too, for a 6'4", 240-pound tight end. But so is Isaiah Likely, who I think ends up the biggest riser and is my favorite uh, just because of what he can do um, in space. He he reminds me a lot of John U. Smith who I know he didn't have a great year in New England, but when you have speed like that and you're used all over the formations at Coastal, I think that provides a really interesting um, move piece in the NFL. And I think really for those two, who to me are the are the two, they're a little above San Diego State's Daniel Bellinger and SMU's Grant Calcaterra. But I think with those two, the difference will be how they look as route runners. Both of them are fairly smooth route runners. Both of them kind of lack an edge as blockers and don't have a lot of weight to them. So route running and blocking maybe could be what shoots one of them up uh, to being a top, I don't know, 120 pick. Um, The thing Daniel Bellinger has above the rest of these guys is He's a classic inline 6'6, 255, mean blocker. He's physical. He catches the ball fairly well. Um, doesn't have a ton of athleticism. Really, that old Heath Miller style of finding holes in space. He was Mr. Reliable chain mover for the Aztecs. Reminds me of John Bates uh, from Boise State, who I didn't think should have been at the Senior Bowl last year. Had a really strong week. Ends up on the Washington football team and ends up as one of the best rookie tight ends in the the NFL because all he had to do to work himself on the field was block his ass off. And Bellinger does the same thing. Um, The most approved is Calcaterra who two years ago was potentially the next Oklahoma tight end to make, make their way into the NFL had to retire uh, temporarily due to concussions, came back, came to SMU and didn't have an amazing year, but showed he's still an NFL prospect who played a lot of slot for them and showed really, I think he's the best route runner of the four of them, and just showed a really natural ability to, 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 and smooth ability to run routes. Um, wasn't asked to run a ton of routes, but just. He 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 does it in a way that it's not clunky. His size doesn't kind of stop him from sinking his hips, from exploding out of breaks. Um so if he he is a potential fourth rate right tight end, it feels like I say that about them all, but truly this this group is all over the place. Uh look at the tackles. The most the, the guy with the biggest clout is Darian Cunard, who if if, uh, if he's playing tackle there, or if he's playing guard, is still kind of up in the air. Um, I think most people are viewing him as a guard. He played right tackle for his career at Kentucky. So will he spend all week at guard? Will he spend all week at tackle? Will it be a bit of both? Either way, I think he's one of the cleanest in the group if you're viewing him as a guard extremely physical, so much power behind his hands, um, and just nasty all over him. Will he look good in pass protection against some of these powerful guys? I think so. He's got the anchor and the physicality to, to lock him down, but maybe the the more speed rusher types will give him trouble, especially if he's working at tackle. Either way, I think, I don't think a lot's going to change about the opinion of Darian Kennard coming out of this week. Whereas with Max Mitchell, I think a lot more people end up on uh, believing in him as a as a plug-and-play right tackle. And I think he's the biggest rise of the week. I talked all about him. Spencer Burford from UTSA is kind of the wild card. Really athletic. The biggest recruit in UTSA history was um, a nasty – run blocker for UTSA this past year he has I think the type of athleticism you look for in a franchise tackle he was all over linebackers anytime um, he climbed and and the ability to move in space kind of made up for lack of technique especially in pass protection where his feet could get kind of sloppy his base wasn't necessarily consistent Despite having the athleticism mere guys, he didn't use his hands all really well. Um, could Spencer Buford have the right week that gets him into the third round? I, I I think it's definitely there. The guy with the most proof might be Jamari Salyer, who could be viewed like Kennard as a tackle or a guard. He played left tackle at Georgia, but I think he's a guard in the NFL. 6'4", 325, just a powerful um, run blocker who... I I don't think he was the best offensive lineman on that team, more on his teammate in a second. Uh, I just don't see it in terms of having the footwork to fit at at tackle, and I I think most people see him as a guard. Um, How will his flaws in terms of athleticism hold up at guard? Can he play outside of a power scheme? I don't think so. We'll find out this week. Uh, I could kind of see him being a guy who gets overdrafted, uh, at least for my taste. Um, but ultimately if he, if he's playing guard, he could have a really strong week sleepers, Braxton Jones, who I talked about from Southern Utah. And then Cade Mays was a late add the Tennessee former Georgia Bulldog turned Tennessee Vol right tackle, who I think is a guard in the NFL as well. A lot of these guys are guards to me. Um, who's, he's a good run blocker, but I just don't think he has the athleticism nor the footwork to be a tackle. If he is going to get drafted, it's going to be due to having a strong week. Uh, I, I just don't think he, he has the NFL tools you look for. Uh, especially at day three, I'd rather bet on an athlete like a Braxton Jones than, a than a Cape Mays jump into the interior where the best guy in my eyes is it's Lysitis Smith, whether whether that's consensus or not. There's just not a lot of guys who are as physical run, uh, as run blockers as he is. Uh, solid athlete, too. Pass protection could make or break him as a top 50 guy. I mentioned Salyer's teammate, and that's Justin Schaefer, who I didn't know I was going to fall for, but Damian Lewis of the Seattle Seahawks had a great senior bowl week. Coming out of LSU, got himself drafted in the third round. Start been a two year starter for the Hawks. I I see Justin Chaper as a similar, not quite as powerful or as large, but six four three thirty masher, who is playing with, I think, really impressive leverage and and for a six four guard, and though he has some flaws in terms of athleticism. If you stick him in a power scheme, he just kills guys in front of him. He'll kill the guy in front of him every chance he gets. Um, in the right scheme, I could see Justin Schaefer being a long-term starter. And and that's what kind of turned him into my favorite. But I think the biggest riser of the week is going to be Memphis's Dylan Parham, who played all over the Memphis offensive line. And my co-host, AJ, of course, has talked about how Parham could be a center at the next level. And... There isn't uh, Luke Fortner's the only guy who has kind of started at center for a long period of time. The, and he was called up only semi-recently, which makes me think that Parham's probably going to be viewed as a center this week. And he's a really good athlete who moves so well um, and is a really clean pass protector. He's... Kind He lacks some size and some strength. So if he's playing interior this week, and we get to see him duel with Devontae Wyatt, and if he holds up and shows his anchors improved, his hand placement and hand strength have improved, I, Like if, if Parham goes in the third round, I don't think we'd be shocked. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see that. I think the guy with the most approved is LSU's Zed Ingram, who has been kind of on and off viewed as a top 100 guy. He's obviously um, playing an SEC. He is a really mean and good athlete who's just raw as hell in terms of technique. You can see guys kind of get him on skates because of his anchor. You can see speed uh, beat him because he just his feet get kind of out of place and his body or his his hand hand placement and his feet his hands and feet aren't totally connected in pass, pro, But if he can come out and, and hold up in pass protection, teams are going to love him for his size, his meanness, and his athleticism. The sleeper of the group might be Chris Paul. Not because uh, it's a great name, but because former guard turned right tackle at Tulsa, who's a big mauler. Um, you move him inside to guard full-time in the NFL, and I think you had a really interesting... A uh, potential swing guard who, who will fit a power scheme, and then finally uh, Kentucky's Luke Fortner, who I, I mentioned as a late call up. I don't love Fortner. Uh, he he isn't he, he he's six six, and it really hurts him on the inside uh, because he pops up so high, and guys in pass protection get underneath him and drive him back. But he's a mean run blocker who attacks angles well. He's got experience playing all three interior positions, so I think that's a priority free agent type of guy who provides you interior swing ability. Looking at the interior defensive line, uh, I talked to nauseum about Devontae Wyatt, who I think is both the best player there and he'll be the biggest riser. The other three are Alabama's Phil Mathis, LSU's Neil Farrell, and Arkansas's John Ridgeway, And I think Farrell's kind of one of my favorite guys because he's got that workman-like playing style. And he's just this, you, you know what you're getting in him. He's a 325-pound, space-eating nose tackle that I feel comfortable taking late day three who could find a, his way into the rotation on rundowns either at one tech or nose. So I think he's kind of the the favorite, I, I for me at least. Um, but I think Phil Mathis has the most to prove. In a weak interior defensive line class, Phil Mathis is, I think, pretty clearly one of the 10 best interior defensive linemen, but how high can he go? Can he Can he reach that top 75? His tape isn't overly flashy, but at Bama, he played 5-tech, 3-tech, 1-tech, knows he can play all around that D-line. He plays his ass off. He relies heavily on power as a pass rusher. Um, and I don't think he's going to be a consistent pass rush threat, but he he holds the, the point well. He can play on rundowns. He's he's a guy who can play like 50% of your snaps all over your D-line. And if he can show even just a little kind of more as a pass rusher, pass rush plan-wise, can he use his hands a little better? I think that, that could really shoot him up. Uh, and, and Ridgeway's the sleeper. Ridgeway is a 6'6 nose tackle who transferred from Illinois State to Arkansas and hustle player, strong player. He needs to play with better leverage. Um, the height impacts that, but he still does a good job taking on blockers and keeping guys clean. Now, as a pass rusher, underrated use of length and hands. And I don't know. Uh, a 6'6 nose tackle who can do a little bit with their hands as a pass rusher. Sure. I think a lot of teams will will enjoy that. Edge-wise, I talked about San Diego State's Cam Thomas, Florida State's Jermaine Johnson. Those are those are the the, the guys you, you kind of tune in for. Thomas, I think, is the most talented in this group. I think Johnson's gonna come away as the biggest riser. And he's kind of my favorite because of the nasty. Non-stop motor paired with the get-off and the power. Um, rounding at the group: South Carolina's South Carolina's Kingsley Inagbar, Kentucky's Josh Pascal, Texas A&M's Michael Clemens, Florida State's Zachary Carter, Western Kentucky's D'Angelo Malone, and Virginia Tech's Marty Barno. Now, Inagbar is by far, to me, the next guy after the the after Johnson and Thomas. Um, like them, he's another really well built, thick edge, two sixty-five. Not gonna wow you athletically, but he's got enough. Um he plays his speed to power is kind of his the thing I get most excited about, but he's got solid hands, he sets the edge well, he he I think's just gonna be a solid player who could really end up in the third round if he if he comes away with a big week here. Uh I know there's people who are even higher on him. Um, Josh Paschal is another guy who I, I've seen day two talk for. And he's a really strong run defender that I, I don't see enough pass rush-wise. But 278 can kind of hold up on the edge or play inside. They play him at 3-tech, 4-I, and 5-tech. Reminds me a little bit of Milton Williams last year with just not nearly as much twitch. But the inside-outside versatility... Powerful hands, good leverage. I like him. I think he's going to play in the NFL for a long time. Michael Clemens is a sleeper. Clemens was overshadowed for the last couple of years at Texas A&M, but 6'5", 270, good athlete, big-time motor, strong at the point of attack as an edge rusher. I have an under high-priority free agent grade on him, but another guy who a big week gets him drafted. Um, the other three guys I'm lower on. I don't love Zachary Carter. I know he had a great year uh, after kind of dropping weight, moving from more of an interior roll to an edge roll. 285, I just don't see the pass rush with him. It's a lot of rely on power, but it's not... He doesn't have enough kind of juice to generate a ton of power as a speed-to-power type guy. Solid edge rusher, but... Sorry, solid edge defender, but... I don't know. I, I thought he was more interesting as an interior guy. Malone and Barno are similar in that Malone's a undersized edge who kind of played a ton of different roles for Western Kentucky, but I didn't think he did any of them well enough. Like, he will test well. He's got some good speed rush ability. He can get on the outside and bend a bit, but I just see him getting bullied this week. I just I just don't see it there. And Barno is a longer six six two forty five, really twitchy. Good, good bend for a six six guy. Um, but he's kind of a one trick pony with his speed bend, uh, and just another guy who I think is gonna get moved around by a really physical offensive lineman. Linebackers. This, this group's really fun. I mean, I talked about Quay Walker, who I think is the most talented. I talked about Channing Tindall, who's probably my favorite to watch because of his his nasty see-it-hit-it mentality. Um, but I think the biggest riser of the week will be Jojo Doman, who it's already kind of begun. Uh, Jim Nagy loves this guy. He played uh, this overhang role for Nebraska, kind of a linebacker safety type of player. 230 pounds, playing overhang. Best tackler on the team. Uh, when you see a linebacker kind of be in space as frequently as him and hold up, it's it's always a good sign. I want to see what he does ask, asking to cover these the linebackers and tight ends one-on-one. He's going to have a lot more experience doing that than the rest of these linebackers who are a lot more classical mics, uh, guys who played inside a lot who weren't asked to do all that much in terms of cover. Um, and so Doman could really stand out there. And a guy who a couple years ago was a bit of this hybrid safety linebacker, overhang defender, was Fred Warner. And he showed up to Mobile and just played with this his hair on fire. And it got him drafted top 100 and he turned into one of the best linebackers in the league now if not the best now i'm not saying jojo doman has the same path but when you get a physical linebacker who was asked to play so much in space he's kind of got a, a, a an edge over the rest of these guys and if doman ends up a top 60 selection coming out of this i don't know if we'd all be that shocked um the guys who i think have the most approved are both LSU's Damone Clark, who led the country in tackles, and Appalachian State's DeMarco Jackson. DeMarco Jackson is a guy who Appalachian State just fully hid on passing downs, or you could say, utilized him to his best to the to the most they could on passing downs by blitzing him exclusively. But that's not gonna fly in the NFL. He has to show he can do. At bare minimum hold up in space as a, in zone dropping in coverage, he was very much a snap of the ball, get downhill, and hit whatever's in front of him type guy, which could take him into plays too. So seeing DeMarco Jackson and cover could be the difference between him being a top 150 pick or obviously later than that. And Clark's a guy who I think the, the six, seeing a 6'3, 240 pound twitchy linebacker, gets people excited, but you throw on the tape and he's just, I thought he was lost. It's a lot of cleanup tackles. It reminds me so much of Alec Ogletree in terms of just a tackling machine, but tackles don't necessarily mean you're good. Um, So seeing what he looks like, both in team drills, putting himself in the right position, reading keys, and covering guys. Because again, to play in the NFL as a linebacker, to be top 100 pick as a linebacker, you have to give me something on passing downs. I think Doman is the only guy here who's proven at the college level he can do that. Where Quay Walker has the traits to do that, and in, in, in on on top of the size and the physicality, and Tyndall, um, Tyndall's got this just aggressiveness you fall in love with, and I, although Demarco Jackson has it to a lesser extent. I just I worry about Jackson and Clark this week. Uh, the sleepers: Hansford, Aaron Hansford from Texas A&M. A and good looking six year senior, 6'3", 240, really physical player. I don't think he's draftable, but I think he's a sleeper because he is he's got special teams. If A.J. was here, special teams linebacker written all over him. Um, and a good week could make him a, a, a guy. A lot of teams are. Calling as soon as the draft ends or as the draft's ending, and finally there's Jeremiah Moon, the Florida Edge. I just don't see it there. He uh, he he's listed with the linebackers, six two two forty five, six year senior. He he is a very athletic guy, but he kind of played exclusively on the edge at Florida. Didn't add much as a passer. Played hard, but I just don't think he's gonna look very good in the linebacker with the linebackers this week. All right, we're in the home stretch. Defensive back, starting with the corners, where we've got Auburn's Roger McCreary, Georgia's Deion Kendrick, Missouri's a Caleb Evans, Tennessee's Alante Taylor, Nebraska's Cam Taylor Britt, Clemson's Mario Goodrich, UTSA's Tariq Woolen, Texas Josh Thompson, and Sam Houston State's Zion McCullum. Uh, McCreary's the, the the highest rated here, no doubt. I think, like I said, Kendrick's got the most approved. Caleb Evans, I think, could be the biggest riser. Transferred from Tulsa to Missouri. Became a very, very reliable press man corner for the Tigers this year. Natural man cover guy who uses his size to bully guys at the line of scrimmage. Does a great job finding the ball in phase. Um, but seeing him against smaller guys like Calvin Austin, who could put him in the spin cycle, That that's going to be interesting to see what he looks like um, kind of dealing with those route runner types because he's a little stiff. His feet are a little slow, but I think ultimately he, he come away just bullying guys. Um, Similarly, Cam Taylor Britt is a guy I've really started to fall in love with. He played a lot of off man and off zone at Nebraska and looked really natural doing it. He is a juice juiced up guy. He is twitchy as hell. He gets downhill and knocks heads as a run defender. Um, just a very all-round impressive corner. Uh, feet need some work, needs better eyes in zone, but generally putting himself in the right position just has to find the ball f- more frequently. Uh, a guy who, again, I think he could uh, maybe sneak himself into that fourth-round conversation. Um I think Josh Thompson's a sleeper. At at, uh, at Texas played a lot of off-zone and has phenomenalized. He ate people alive in the flats. He is one of the best tackling defensive backs in the whole class. And I think he should get a look at safety this week. Similar to Jalen Watson on the national team, who is a kind of the safety corner hybrid. I see Josh Thompson the same way. Uh I'd like to see him there and I I think he could be in a weak safety class one of the more intriguing guys. Uh along with this group in this group, Elante Taylor is been his stocks fluctuated a bit. I think he's gonna be one of the better nickels in this class overall. Super feisty, super aggressive, um physical tackler, struggles in man coverage because I just don't think he has the athleticism. Uh to, to handle some of the, the speed that will be thrown his way in the NFL. Jalen Tolbert will be a good test for him. I think he's just a lot more comfortable in zone, especially because it, the instincts kind of show out for him there. Um, Mario Goodrich kind of similar to Thompson. Really good tackler. Very solid in zone coverage. Smart football player. Just I don't think he has the chops to to kind of hold up against some of the more athletic guys uh, in man in the NFL. I think he's a pure zone corner in the NFL. Um, he, he, he just he doesn't find the ball that well in man either. He just seems, again, a lot more comfortable with his eyes of the quarterback rather than back turn to them uh woolen is i think Woolen's going to be a bit polarizing six four corner you're already a lot of people are going to be licking their lips at that really solid press fluid hips for a six four corner which gets you excited uh i think struggles in man because just doesn't have the long speed uh but has the ball skills to find ball uses his length well um, Seeing him against a guy like Calvin Austin will be really interesting because they're such different types of players. Or even against Jalen Tolbert, who, again, Tolbert's going to be stretching defenses. Tol- Tolbert is the guy every one of these corners needs to want to go up against. Uh, and, and Zion McCollum, finally. Um, he obviously, another you know, four corner. It's crazy. We've got two six, four corners here. <laughs> and, uh, a guy who I just don't think has the NFL uh, the uh, athleticism to be corner in the NFL. I think he, he he would be better suited as like almost a box safety, a tight end, a guy who exclusively covers tight ends because he's he's comfortable in man coverage and he's he's got some fluidity to his hips and he's physical and uses that length, but the the speed is not there to hang with NFL uh, receivers. Uh, going to the safeties, I don't love the safety group. I loved all three safeties on the American team. Uh, th- this group, I think there, there's interesting bits to it. Like, I think by far Tyson Anderson is both, he's he's the my highest rated. I think he's the most talented. I think he's going to be the biggest riser of the week. He's also my favorite, and he's a sleeper because he's coming from the Mac. But Tyson Anderson just offers something that a lot of these other safeties in this class don't, and, and that's the ability to play single high. Um, and on top of that, uh, he's got the ability to kind of match up with tight ends. He, he, he did both at Toledo. Um, he's got the size you want. He's got the feet you get excited about. He, he's a solid tackler. So I think Tyson Anderson comes away as, as the clear best safety on this group. Uh, after that, I've got Leon O'Neill from Texas A&M, who I, I like his versatility. They play him too deep. They play him a line, uh, dime uh, linebacker. They play him a little bit as like an overhang guy. He's a a physical player, not afraid to stick his nose in, not afraid to attack the flats, make tackles in open space, but I just don't think he can cover uh, well enough to be anything more than a mid-day three guy. Now, he's got a great chance to prove me wrong on that. Um, Georgia Tech's Tariq Carpenter, who's a late ad, just added a couple days ago. One of the kind of guys who... If he looks good in coverage, people are going to start talking. He's 6'4", 225 pounds. Georgia Tech played him as an overhang and as a two-deep. He's a, a, an explosive 225-pound safety going downhill. He thumps guys. He is one of the, the most physical, I think, tackling DBs in the entire class. He's got good instincts, but he's just so raw coverage and wasn't asked to do a lot in coverage. So this is a perfect week for him to showcase if he has the ability to cover. But again, 6'4, 225 pounds, wants to hit people. I hear special teams. Uh, and the final safety is use of Corker from um, Kentucky, who played a lot of too deep, solid in coverage, uh, a bit of range, fluid enough. I like it. I thought he had pretty good feet, but just lacks instincts. Really not a physical player. Um, which scares me away from drafting a safety on day three is a guy who's not physical because that's not going to translate to special teams. Um. So I think with this group, what you want to see is Tyson Anderson, man up tight ends, and and he's the one guy you you come away thinking, well this this guy could be an NFL starter potentially, and then Tariq Carpenter, although I've got him below Leon O'Neal, being two hundred twenty five pounds. And as athletic as he is, that makes you think we could develop him into something. And before I get out of here, quickly, the special teamers. We've got kicker Cameron Dicker, the kicker, uh, of Texas. Georgia's Jake Camarda as the punter. And Arkansas's Jordan, Jordan Silver as the long snapper. Texas is going to the SEC, so that's an all-SEC special teams group. And, and of course, we love to hear that.